Hello and welcome to the Figure Forecast, the latest edition. With me, Sam Gardner, and as ever, Damien Cross. Damien, you alright? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, episode twenty, no, episode twenty is next week. It's episode nineteen this week. Um, <laughs> a lot of episodes. Didn't think we'd necessarily get this far, but it's, uh, excited to keep going. Yeah, definitely. So it's going to be a bit of a milestone, and if we can think of something special to do for the big two O, then we will do it. If you've got any suggestions, send them in because we haven't really put much thought to it. It sort of creeped up on us. And just before we yeah. started to record today, we were like, oh, next week's the 20th episode. We should probably do something for that. Yeah, no, no ideas at the minute, but uh, I'm sure either we'll think of something or someone will let us know an idea. But Yeah. Well, enough of this sentiment, something bollocks. Let's get in to the wrestling. And this Sunday, or last Sunday, depending on how you say it, it was Hell in a Cell. A pay-per-view. Um, it kind of feels like a long time ago. It's, this week seems to have felt very long, and the pay-per-view seems to have been an age ago. So we've just refreshed ourselves. And I guess the most important thing to mention coming out of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is that I am still the reigning, defending, predictions champion. And there is another loss for Damien, meaning he is going to have to do an in-depth, segment-by-segment, analysis of a Monday Night Raw of my choice. Now I haven't picked which Monday Night Raw it's going to be yet. I don't think it will be this week's because in comparison to the last couple of weeks Raw's, this week's Raw is actually okay, dare I say. It had its moments yeah, I, at least. I, I did a little bit of a dry run when I was watching uh, Raw this week, kind of thinking about how I would uh, do the, the breakdown. But yeah, this week was on a more positive note than it has been in a few weeks. I didn't think he was going to pick it, but that will be something to look forward to. I cannot catch a break on these predictions. Losing because of a DQ. It's it's just the most Damien way to lose ever. Like, I ended up watching it Monday morning, and I'd seen a Twitter post that said that Rio was still champion I was like oh I've got this in the bag and then I'm watching the match and I'm like shit <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute yeah um, we'll, we'll discuss that ending to that match as well as some of the other ones but yeah not been much luck in terms of predictions hopefully that turns around soon I've done technically every punishment because I did do a little bit of the chili punishment which awkwardly I still need to edit and release that is that is coming. Editing is just not something I'm very good at. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, I've technically took part in every punishment so far. It's been brilliant. It's been absolutely brilliant for me. It, and it's such a turn up for the books. Because before we did this podcast, I lost every single month. And now it's completely roles reversed. So it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. But just going back to the pay-per-view, what did you think of the show as a whole? Hell in a Cell is normally a weird one. Um, it's normally the kind of Halloween, October uh, pay-per-view, and it, it kind of feel, fits into like a weird time frame. And it's slightly better time, I think, now, but still, because of the Hell in a Cell 
forced stipulation. I always think the pay-per-view is going to struggle a little bit. The two Hell in a Cell matches were very entertaining. A few moments aside. Uh, and overall, I was pretty entertained by the, the event. It wasn't something I was really that hyped for. The, the match I was most hyped for ended up getting uh, bumped to SmackDown, which was uh, Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio. So... I didn't expect a lot from it, so I feel like it over-delivered in that regard, but it being WWE, it was still a little flawed at times. Yeah. So. Just going on that point, the, the Mysterio Reigns match being on SmackDown, I, I feel like this show really missed that match being on the card. It felt like the main event had been taken away from it, which ultimately it had, and I think it suffered as, as, as a uh, result of that. But let's jump into the Hen and Cell matches, shall we? The first match on the card was Bianca Belair versus Bailey, and it's kind of what we've been saying for a little while that the, the build hasn't been amazing, but the match will ultimately deliver because of the performers in there. And I think, bar a couple of ropey moments. It did deliver. It was an enjoyable match for me. Yeah, they, they tried the uh, double kendo stick ladder spot, which um, they tried. They've tried it before. They successfully um, hit that spot yeah. in this match, and it just seemed a little odd to me. Like it didn't look like it had any impact, so it, it felt like an odd spot to do, but. You know, you can't fault them for trying new things. I don't think it it, it looked that great. Um, I think an actual like beating with a kendo stick looks way more impactful than than that. But that aside, the match was uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Like they had the the kind of setup with Bianca Belair's hair, like tying her to the rope, and then her tying herself to Bailey, which added that kind of strap match um, aspect to it a little bit there which kind of gave some interesting moments and it, it was a hard hit match and they're both amazing performers so for the most part they uh, set the set the show off on a really good strong start it is kind of everything you'd want from an opening match really yeah I really enjoyed this match it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable there's some hard hitting moments in there and like you say, the performance is so good. For me, I feel like Bailey is such sort of a student of wrestling. She knows it inside out so well that she knows all of the spots that have happened in Hell in a Cell previously. And she just wants to find something new. And yeah. perhaps that's a little bit to her detriment. Like that kendo stick spot is something new, something we perhaps haven't seen before. I know she tried it with Sasha last year. But maybe there's a reason why they haven't been done past but look they're very minor criticisms and it's not even a criticism as such because I, I wouldn't say it was bad no. at all it's, it's just like yeah God, I don't know I, I don't want to criticise them because it was, it was a good match it was a good match for me and a really yeah. good way to start off the show probably match of the night yeah probably match of the night for me yeah I think there was a, a couple of matches that could have rivaled it if I had to like, rank them all but this didn't suffer from any uh, entertainment booking uh, stuff. There's a couple of other matches on the show that were really good, except they required something else to happen. And um, this this didn't really have that. It was they could they could kind of do whatever they wanted 
as long as Bianca Belair got the win and they managed to put in a really good match because of that. Like you take the take the restraints away and you you can deliver and that's exactly what this match did for me. I'll tell you what, one thing that did come to my mind as the show started with the with the cell match was that stupid red cell. Somehow, even though I saw it on SmackDown, I I've completely forgot that the cell was now red. And it's just it just sort of struck me like why why the hell did they do that it was so much better having the proper metal cell it looks ridiculous now it just distracts me i feel i feel now that i've got used to it i don't even think about it like i saw a lot of people complaining about it on twitter yeah. and i was like i feel like i'm just used to it at this point um yeah as the so. match sort of went on i, I kind of forgot and got immersed in the match but it's just right at the beginning i completely forgot that the cell was red yeah it sort of took me a bit it took me back a little bit for a second on smackdown i thought the cell was going to be blue oh god just because that was a very wwe thing but obviously there would be no point in having in painting <laughs> blue and then having a red front but um yeah when i was watching smackdown last week i was like oh I'm surprised the cell isn't blue yeah <laughs> paint wouldn't have been able to dry between matches between shows like someone would come off the cage on Sunday and then have red paint all over them I suppose it's a way to get around the blood but I, look, go, going back to uh, you said there was a couple of matches rivaled the, the women's championship match presumably in your head one of them was Seth Rollins and Cesaro that wasn't one I actually immediately jumped to mind, but that did have some really good in-ring work as well. Yeah, so. yeah, it did. I just want to touch on it briefly because we've seen this match a little, sort of, a few times in recent memory. Um, it kind of seemed like the bare minimum that these two could do between each other, yeah. to me. Um, yeah, it did. something just didn't sort of land with me. Like I say, it's... Um, I don't know how to describe it. What, what, what are your sort of thoughts on that? I feel like the the story is kind of affecting what they what they can do. Like we know they're really talented, and yeah. if they were given free reign, which obviously then you not you don't really get given that anymore. But if you, if there was no story. That they had to work around. They could put on such a phenomenal match, like main event worthy of any show, really, those two. Yeah. There's just something with like the character that Seth Rollins is portraying and also other that's kind of changing what the match has to be. Now there's nothing wrong with that because a good story should take precedent. Like it is an entertainment show. Like you can have them wrestle an amazing sixty-minute match, but you're you're trying to tell a story. So I'm fine with them not doing that for the purpose of, of the story, for the purpose of this Seth Rollins character. But it does just feel like something is missing at the moment from this. This they, they are maybe holding back a little too much. Need to give the fans a little bit more of what we know they can deliver Yeah. and as much as I don't like seeing the same match repeated over and over again I would be interested in revisiting this if we get that bit more uh, so. I think the problem is that at Wrestlemania we perhaps saw the peak of what these two could do or very close to and you're going to struggle to live up to that yeah. especially in the Thunderdome era I know this was the last 
show, but that WrestleMania match, it, it was just sort of a perfect combination. They both performed really well, and you had the added sort of factor of fans being back for WrestleMania in there. So I think any sort of subsequent match between them is, is, is sort of suffering from that. But I do, I do want to know what was your match of the night then, or what, what sort of was up there for your match the, of the night? The, the, two, the two matches that I think the in-ring work really had me hooked were the Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens match. There was okay. a lot of story going around with that, but I think that they really managed to draw me in yep. um, with that one. And until the very end, I really was enjoying the Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Hell in a Cell match. Now, yeah, I'd agree. The ending of that does bring that down quite a bit, which is why I said there was two. Which is why I said those two could maybe contend with it but they did have some problems which uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey didn't didn't have so open the the women uh, the Smackdown women's title match definitely was match of the night for me but there were those other yeah. two um, kind of had me hooked and they, they happened beginning middle end so that's exactly yeah what you really want for a pay-per-view I was kind of invested throughout when I was actually watching it so yeah, I really enjoyed the Zayn and Owens match, particularly the selling of Kevin Owens. He, he went in there sort of selling his throat and coughing from the Nigerian nail that he got hit with on, on the Friday before the pay-per-view, and then he subsequently started selling his arm, and an arm injury. And I was saying to you just before we started recording, he's so good uh, at making an injury seem believable that you kind of think, is he legit injured? And yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell. I really couldn't tell, and it's uh, it's testament to it. Well, I was saying it around uh, WrestleMania. His when he did his whole that whole uh, thing with Logan Paul raising his arm, and he was just watching it. Like he's such so good at the stuff around the wrestling. Now he's really good at the wrestling, uh, actual actually wrestling. Uh, so, but. It's those little things, the convincing selling of an injury yeah. throughout. Um, you don't you don't notice it, like <clears throat> kind of the expression on his face. And working with Sami Zayn, obviously they've been best friends for years. They know each other so well. They always have amazing in-ring chemistry. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. like I don't think I'll ever get tired of a uh, Sami Zayn. Something has to go match. drastically wrong to get a bad match out of those two. And if there is going to be a bad match, it's probably because the story needs to yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it was a it was a, it was a great match. And although I'd pre- predicted Kevin Owens to win, um, he's wanting some time off. And I feel like on the on the night, Sami Zayn was the right was the right call there. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Well, look, let, let's move on to the other match you just mentioned there. The WWE Championship match inside Hell in Cell. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Up to the finish, like you say. There was so many hard-hitting hit, moments. And the pictures of Drew McIntyre back afterwards are insane. The welts that he's got on his back from the kendo stick shots that he took. Are mad. 
and uh, it seems like Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are having a competition <laughs> of who can take the most legit yeah hits uh, to the body because every week one of them or the other is posting pictures with like welts and like mini cuts and stuff obviously Sheamus yeah. broke his nose I don't think he, he wanted that one no, but no, no. even still <laughs> like there's a little part of me that's worried about them because like those are some legit hits they're, they're taking like Drew was taking with a kendo stick those welts speak for themselves um, yeah it's horrible it's entertaining when it looks real, but you can dial it down a tiny little bit, Drew. Like, yeah. Don't actually get hurt. Like, yeah. Well, look, we'd be remiss not to speak about the finish of the match. It was a roll-up, a distraction roll-up, essentially. Now, what sort of went through my mind was: imagine being told at backstage, "Oh, this is what the finish is going to be, Drew," and. Um, you're going to have to take all this beating with a kendo stick to your back. 20 minutes match, 25 minute match, you're going to get absolutely smothered with a kendo stick. And you're going to be like a tender bit of beef and then you're going to get rolled up at the end. You'd be pissed, wouldn't you? You'd be so pissed. All of that just for a roll up. I don't know if this is true. This is just a theory I have. Um, but it seems like that match didn't get changed to me after they moved the Roman Reigns um, Rey Mysterio yeah, match. Yeah, I could see if, that, if Roman Reigns Rey Mysterio had main evented, this would have happened a little bit earlier. Probably wouldn't have been second to last because both had been having a cell. But that would have happened earlier in the night. And it would have worked. Now... WWE love to go to the roll-up and distraction uh, well for their, their booking and deservedly get criticised for it. But every so often, the story kind of fits it. And having MVP distract um, Drew McIntyre here made a lot of sense. Like, he managed to get in during the whole ref shenanigan stuff. He was the extra... The extra person in Bobby Lashley's corner, which was the advantage, and it makes sense. I wish it hadn't been a roll-up. I wish it had been a distraction into the the hurt lock, for example. That's what it looked like it was going to be—a distraction into like a hurt lock or a spear, which I think people and myself would be up for. It's just the roll-up. Why? Yeah, there's there's the right. There is times when it's right to do that. Yeah, and. This wasn't it. This wasn't it. That's the, that's the problem WWE have had is they're overusing these yeah. mechanics, distraction roll-ups. Well, I don't, I don't DQs, think it's it for Bobby and... Lashley in, in general. Like he did, like absolutely decimated the Miz, and since then he's been more of a cowardly heel champion rather than a destroyer. He's, he's... I mean, he still looked dominant at times during the match. So I don't, I don't think it made him look like. Well, if it hadn't been a roll-up, if he'd locked him in the submission, yeah. it would have been a, like a smart heel. He's using the advantage he has by having MVP. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the roll-up just felt a little odd, especially as it was the main event. It's the last thing, and up until that point, really good match, hard hitting. Yeah. Used the use the cell 
a bit. Yeah. So, great match up until kind of the final moment. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's sort of the consensus uh, across the board of people that have watched it. Um, let's talk about what should have been the main event. Friday Night Smackdown, it happened on. Rey Mysterio against Roman Reigns. One of the shorter Hell in a Cell matches that I think we've ever had, but it did everything that I wanted. Rey Mysterio realised that he was in the deep end with Roman Reigns and he did everything he could to try and beat him early on, but then Reigns starts uh, getting back in control and just shows that vicious side, ends up winning eventually after throwing Mysterio out of the ring a couple of times into the cage. Um, and then just absolutely dominating him after the match and choking him out uh, a couple of times. Yes, yeah. um, it was great, great stuff. Yet again, from from yeah, from my perspective, I can't really fault it. It it progressed the story. It was good in ring. Made great use of the stipulation. Like they really nailed it for what they wanted that match to be, yeah. and kind of checked off all of those those boxes there um wish it had been on the pay-per-view yeah there's presumably some backstage reason that it got moved i've seen some videos talking about it but doesn't see no one seems to have a concrete answer behind it it's it's actually caused a little bit of drama with the networks and stuff so yeah probably wasn't the best idea to move it we just coincidentally get a hell in a cell on uh on monday night raw on a different network wonder why that happened i feel like we should talk about that one here we had four hell in a cell matches in three days yeah um all good for different kind of on on different levels but i'd say they were all good hell in a cell matches the one on on raw i think will mostly be remembered for the ending rather than the the build the build throughout the match was really good but that moment of having xavier woods in the hurt lock press up against the cage while kofi's on the outside was it's brilliant that was quite a picture it was really really good and uh xavier woods he's he's quality he is absolutely quality yeah. he's, he's been a sleeper for so many people for so long but he is uh, one of the ultimate baby faces and i think we need to give raw actually a little bit of credit because they've had this Kofi and uh, Mac- not McIntyre, sorry, Lashley storyline on the uh, Underburn for a little while, and it looks like yeah. they've actually booked Bobby Lashley into a story following on from McIntyre, uh, and it's yeah. sort of a, a logical story. Well done, Raw. Well done. When's the last time yeah. we have ever seen that happen? And it not just be a random feud. <laughs> Well, we'll talk about Raw a little bit more in a minute. Yes, um, we've still got yeah. a couple of other Hell in a Cell matches to go over. We've covered the good. most uh, They're all kind of good in their own way, but let's cover the more questionable matches. Right. Which one do you want to start with? Question. Let's start with Baszler Bliss. <laughs> okay, you lead. Which, this... Uh, I actually had to go back and, and, and watch this one um, after the pay-per-view. I kind of didn't really follow it properly when I was watching it. Um, it. It kind of fell in a bit of a bad position on the card, I think. But it, I, I don't even know what to say say about it. Like there, there was such a disconnect between the spooky stuff and the actual match like 
Alexa Bliss kept laughing at the offense, which was interesting. Yeah. And then there was the whole possessing Nia Jax into slapping Reginald, which I was confused about because if you could possess Nia Jax, why is that what you would make her do? Yeah, like, it's just all strange. What I don't understand. I mean, is, um, it's kind of like my idea about her being a puppet master. She is. can possess people now. It is okay, but she's got to be the worst possessor, if that's the word, uh, in history. Because all you have to do to be unpossessed is look away from her. Just don't look, make eye contact, and you're fine. Yeah, it's like hypnotism. Yeah, it's very strange stuff. One thing that I would like to say about this this character that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is that her, for someone that's meant to be so dominant with her spooky bollocks goofy stuff um, her moveset isn't the hardest hitting it hasn't really changed from her previous character and she's doing, I can't remember what it's called Twisted Bliss, is it a finisher is it, where she jumps off the top rope I really feel yeah. like her moveset does not fit with her character no it seems like there's multiple sides of Alexa Bliss um, kind of fighting for dominance and her moveset is old Alexa Bliss and yeah. it would be interesting if she because she was using Sister Abigail yeah. for a while and that kind of worked she hits that quite well Um yeah, she kind of needs a move that s separates this character from kind of the the other the other characters. Um, I think like the Undertaker did it. He re temporarily retired the Tombstone and did the Last Ride to kind of differentiate yeah. the characters. And American badass. Yeah, I feel that's that's kind of important thing to do. Um, I'm not. A lot of people are really over this this character. And think it should be stopped, and she she should go back to old Alexa. And I wouldn't be opposed to that as long. As, but I don't want it to just be like, okay, well we're stopping that. She's gonna be off TV for three weeks. She's gonna come back as regular. Like, yeah, if you're gonna do so. that, do it as a like a transition back into the character. At least ha at least have the story make sense. Um, but I I do question where like. Not even where this is going to go, but what is the longevity of this kind of character? Um, she seems to be enjoying herself. Apparently, apparently, like she's having a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I saw that Simon Miller talking like, about it. So fair play, she's enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, like you want the wrestlers to be doing something they're happy with, so that's fine. And the thing that's always always gets told is you don't have to like everything on a on a show. WWE is trying to cover a number of bases for every type of wrestling fan. So, as long as some people are enjoying it, that's that's kind of the best that they can hope for. I, I've enjoyed some of the segments. I didn't really enjoy the match too much, but I, I, it's something that could be that could change. Like, yeah. Well, I guarantee one thing you didn't like about the Hell in a Cell show was the Raw Women's Championship match, in particularly the finish, which ended in a disqualification and ultimately handed me the win in the predictions challenge. Do you want to talk about it? 
before we talk about the match, I, I, I want to talk about the disqualification. Yes. Because Rhea Ripley was disqualified for hitting uh, Charlotte Flair with the top of the announce table. Like the yeah. Display piece. Now, why is that a disqualification? Hitting someone with effectively a bit of plastic? Yeah. Like... I don't. I'm assuming it's plastic. I don't know what it's like. It's not much. Like you can throw someone into the stairs. You can. I think we've seen people get put through the announce table before, and not be disqualified. Like <laughs> through the, the ring barriers and be counted out. Yeah. Sorry. But getting hit with the bit of plastic was a was a DQ. Like if you're gonna do a DQ. Do it for like have a hit with a ring bell. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I, was, I took the dog barking out of last week's show, but I'm absolutely stunned. <laughs> when I was editing it, I absolutely pissed my pants. It was brilliant. Damien is now trying to frantically close his window so you don't hear a dog barking, um, and I think he succeeded. So let's talk about about this match again. And look, for the last 15 years, right, I, well, probably more than 15 years he's been in there, but I've been watching Randy Orton, and for a majority of those 15 years, Randy Orton does a back body drop to his opponent in most matches onto the announce table, and that is not a disqualification, but Rhea Ripley hitting uh, Charlotte with a part of the announce table which is also used in Randy Orton's offence is a disqualification where's the logic there there is none I d no this is a, like a, a watered down version of a criticism of Hell in a Cell I want to say two years ago The Fiend versus Seth Rollins how do you have a Hell in a Cell match ending a DQ oh god it's like a watered down version of it like the it's fine to do a DQ. It still would have been not the best ending. But at least like, there's so many weapons around the ring. Chairs. Like, put it through the announce table and say that's a DQ. Like, it, yeah. it was such a, such a weird DQ. It was a shit one. DQ it was so shit. That not only is it a bad way to end a match, it's also bad version of a bad way to end the match it's bad twice yeah and that's all ultimately no matter how good or bad the match was that is all we're going to remember it for and it was poo it was rubbish so that's all I've got to say about the match yeah the the, the rest of the match is, is obviously tainted by the ending but it wasn't anything amazing until that point um I don't really think Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley have the best in-ring chemistry. No. I don't know if they work very well together. Um, they should. They're both amazing. Well, but, yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes wrestlers don't click. And this seems to be one of them. So, hopefully, their match at Money in the Bank is the last for a while. I really hope right. so. I was hoping that this match would be the last one and they just have a clean cut, go their separate ways and hopefully rehabilitate both of these characters because they're so bad. They're just terrible, terrible characters and like I say the dynamics just so disappointing between two 
really talented women. So, yeah, hopefully it is the end of Money in the Bank and we can move on to bigger and better things for both women. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Hopefully. That's that's Hill in a Cell talked about. We didn't talk about the match of the night, Natalia uh, defeating Mandy Rose. Um, what? Natalia? How the hell can someone that comes out to Bret Hart's music and has been doing this for however many years that she does it, she can't do a sharpshooter? How? How can she not do a sharpshooter? My god, woman. Learn how to do a sharpshooter. I... I didn't see uh, the match. Um, I, I caught the very, very end, like when they were doing like the recap. When I turned on Helena Cell on the Sunday night, um, before deciding I wanted to sleep and watching it Monday morning. Yeah. But I didn't actually. The only the only question I have about this match is, it, I mean, it was a, it was a pre-show match, so it, it, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about it, anyway. But there's two tag teams in the women's division at the minute. Why Why did you put both <laughs> of them in like a singles match? Oh, I don't know. Why not just... I don't know. Well, look, let's segue, let's segue into Raw, shall I was, we? I just want to... I just want Because sometimes WWE will do the thing of, oh, you need to get a win to then deserve a title shot. If you're the only team... <laughs> That can challenge. How do you not automatically just get the title shot? Well, how They're bad the only are other you? team in the division. How bad are you if you're not number one contenders being the only other team? Ridiculous, ridiculous. But yeah, let's segue into Raw and talk about their continued feud on Monday Night Raw. It's not particularly what I thought we'd talk about, but they essentially just flipped the angle from last week, and uh, and they had Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke in the ring training. And Natalia and Tamina having a photo shoot, and then they kind of had a bit of a brawl in the ring. Like, fine, okay. Did we just not think of another thing to do? And someone, how about we just flip the roles? Genius, genius, David. Well done. Yes, promotion for you. I I genuinely think at this point in time, the tag team, the women's tag team division, is unsalvageable. And I think WWE have realised that because they had another team kind of there, ready to be like to be a team, and then I think they've split them up already. Like I don't know what's happening with the women's division at the minute. Some of it I'm like I want to see how this plays out. A lot of it I'm like I don't, I, I don't want to watch this because the story has no logic and is. Very little entertainment, but it, it this definitely needs a reset. Like I don't know how you salvage this. Like we did trying to fix Monday Night Raw, and that was difficult. How to fix the div- women's division is a challenge we are not equipped for. The only way they can fix it is to unify the NXT women's titles, uh, the tag team titles, and the main roster ones, and then just have it as one combined division. Because the only teams that are legit, legitimately in that company are in NXT. Otherwise, it's just random yeah. women put together. No, again, it's, it's just it, it's just baffling why they have two separate titles for that. It's, it's, yeah. it's just absolutely crazy. There's, there's barely enough men's tag teams in WWE. 
and as we said, there is two women's tag teams at the minute. Like, yeah, and there's barely any women in 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 general, not just teams. Barely yeah. any women left after the bloody releases. I think they've now classing Maurice as a in-ring competitor on SmackDown. That's, uh, that's the levels that they're going. I know to. she. I know she was still listed on the yeah uh, website as a SmackDown superstar, but when's the last time she competed? I don't know, against... I don't know how often they really do that because it's also still got um, Commander Aziz listed as Dabakato. Bloody hell. Sounds like a wasteland. Yeah. So I don't. I think whoever's in charge of updating WWE's uh, roster pages keeps forgetting. But they do some of the big ones, like Daniel Bryan isn't listed on there. All of the released wrestlers aren't listed on there, but the ones that are active, they're like, ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, look, is there anything specifically you want to talk about from Raw this week? There's two things. And while we're talking about the women's division, I feel like we need to cover both of these talking points. Is it going to involve Dewdrop? The first one is Dewdrop. Um, Dewdrop. And I don't know if this was met, like it's it's got to have been intended, but it was pointed out on Twitter. I, uh, I can't remember who who tweeted it out, but. When Eva Maria now like says what her name is, you can see Piper m- mouthing, "That's not my name." Yeah, or something to that effect. Like, which has got to have been intended. I think it is. So, because of that, I'm holding on to that thin vein of hope that this is. All part of the Eve Marie, yeah, story, and they're not actually going to be calling her that, and she's going to go back to being. It's just like Piper. bully Eve Marie calling her a name to sort of downgrade her in, in a way. Yeah, uh, uh, sure. And obviously they, then they had the kind of breakup of the team after a week, after one week, after a week. What the fuck? They didn't even know who she was last week. They didn't even know who Pippen even was last week. So, what is going on? Like, I, I want to see how it plays out, but I have no confidence that it's going to be good. But I still, I just, I just want to know. Like, I take what I want to know. I want to know if Dewdrop means the same thing in America as it does here, because to me, I, I don't even know if it's the same thing for you. A Dewdrop is like when you're kind of cold and uh, you can't feel your nose. A little bit of snot comes out of your nose, and it's just hanging there. That's what I call a dewdrop. That's not what I thought of, but I'm just going to check because I want to get the wording for this right. D O U drop, wasn't it? Yeah. Urban Dictionary, which everyone oh knows. God, where's this going? This is a kind is... of PG podcast here. Has it been removed? Has, the, has the someone removed it from Open Dictionary? <laughs> WWE have removed it. Oh my god, it was on there earlier. Okay, so WWE have had it, must have had it removed. 
because it was listed. It had two meanings on that. And if you actually search it, Google still shows some of the meaning for one of them as the, the term, but you can't search it. But the meaning was a woman who is romantically attracted to other women. Okay. And the one that's listed on Google that you can't see the end of says a person with an outwardly dominant masculine or aggressive personality but who also enthusiastically takes on a submissive or bottom role in the and then you can't read anymore so it definitely has some meanings in America I imagine then those I'm, meanings are closer to the meaning that I had in my head I'm also guessing that WWE don't want that association because they seem to have had the Urban Dictionary taken down or Urban Dictionary is crashing that is a very real possibility as well they, they um, must the thing is they must have those they must kind of want those annotations on the name because it's just such a random name to make Like if, if it's just like a generic name that they've just picked out somewhere you don't just pick Doodrop. They they must have known that it's got those uh, connotations and it's an underlying thing towards Piffinibbon, which is uh, a bit of a, a dick move to do. Yeah. Um, very, very strange. I thought it was going to be a move originally when it was kind of leaked online that they'd filed this trademark. I thought it was going to be a, a name for a finishing move. The Doodrop. Not an actual name. I mean, that is also the problem that they would have had with that, I guess. Uh, there is one other talking point in the women's division from Raw. Go on. It is, of course, Super Nikki. Uh, now, you're high on this. This is getting this is getting a lot of hate online, and I I will defend this because some of my earliest wrestling memories watching wrestling with my dad it had the hurricane hurricane rosie and i can't remember what uh the there was a woman i don't know i can't remember a woman superhero with hurricane and rosie mighty molly ah it was Molly Holly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Went by Mighty Molly. So, WWE have, de- uh, have delved into this in the past, and there were some really entertaining moments with the Hurricane. Him and The Rock, I was a little, that was a little bit before I was watching, but I have gone back and seen those. Some great moments. And that is a character that I, I loved watching as a kid. Um, when when he changed to just being Gregory Helms, he he was still as talented. He didn't lose any talent, but he wasn't quite as entertaining. It didn't, at least to me at, at that age. So WWE is a family entertainment program. If, if uh, they they want to do this, and like kids are going to get get invested in this Super Nikki, whatever they decide to call her. A character, then you can't criticise that, especially as it has been revealed by uh, 
Go on, remember um, his name. Real life partner. Go on. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to think what the. What, yeah, I don't know if they're married, it, engaged. Well, uh, real life. His real real name is Big Damo, so you should remember that. Yeah. Killian Dane. Um, Killian Dane, on Twitter, that this was Nikki Cross's idea. She pitched this, and she wanted this. And as we said with Alexa Bliss, you want the wrestlers to be doing what they enjoy so another reason to lay off the criticism a little bit like uh, I, I don't know man i don't know it's just it's it sucks for me i i, I find like this goody two shoes nikki uh, cross character even before superhero nikki i was just cringing so much I was like, oh god not again not again i just find her delivery of it all so cringy and um it turned that up to sort of a thousand with her being a superhero. But I just have. I'm not gonna lie, it is a little bit cringy. But just for the like, I don't think it's meant to be for men in their mid to late twenties being like, "Well, I wish she was doing something else." It's, it's going to be aimed at the kids. Stick to the this, mid. More mid story. than late. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but look, I've just got visions of. Yeah, she may have. Um, she may well have pitched it and fair play to her for being happy but I guarantee you that while she's out there making a complete fool of herself Vince McMahon's in Gorilla absolutely pissing himself belly laughing <laughs> and you can see why he said yes he loves seeing people make so makes a fool of themselves <laughs> so uh, yeah maybe good on her, good on her. If, it, if it gets her TV time fair play and superheroes seem to do pretty well for themselves in uh, once they leave WWE. So, like, it's, it's one of those that people pay to see on the indies. So, if, if she ever gets released, yeah. um, which history tells you she, she may well, because anyone can get released in WWE apparently. Braun Strowman got released. Um, hopefully, she does well for it. I would just like to add that tweet from Killian Dane about Nikki Cross is the most confusing thing for me to talk about because obviously it's Damo and Nikki Cross like it's both halves of my name with two different people it's oh, yeah. very confusing <laughs> I never thought about that really. um, any other moments on Raw you want to talk about one last one last year we've, we've ran quite a while here but it was mentioned in our episode last week that WWE want every match to have a purpose. And I feel like this week we really saw how that was going to start as we had the qualification matches for Money in the Bank. Now, I think last year they just announced people to be part of it. So this is an improvement. And we got to see some uh, some new matchups for this. So... We, we criticised WWE, especially Raw, a lot recently, so I do want to give them their props that the setup from the majority of the action this week, it, it made sense, and it was new matchups, and uh, you got to give them props for, for doing that because it is what we've been asking for, and we kind of got it this week. How that develops going forward, we'll have to wait and see, but I was, I was a big fan of the kind of the theme of this week's Monday Night Raw. And I'm assuming that's going to follow on to SmackDown, which hasn't aired yet, but they need to fill the other half of the bracket. So, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that will carry on there. I, I do agree with that. And it, it did make Raw a little bit better this week. I'm not saying it was fantastic and brilliant show, 
but it made it better from what we've been served over the last couple of weeks. So, fingers crossed, it, it stays on that trajectory. Trajectory, easy for me to say, on a Friday night, and Rossi um, continues to improve. But there we go. I think that's this week's podcast. Um, a little bit different, I guess. Like we didn't really come into it with a plan because of things that have happened this week for, for both of us, but. I think we've summed up this week's action pretty well. Smackdowns tonight, looking forward to that. Um, always a good show. So we'll talk about that a little bit next week and I'll watch that tomorrow morning. Uh, that's enough from me. I'll speak to you all next week and I'll see you tomorrow, Damien, for a BBQ. <laughs> are, we, are we including that at the end? <laughs> we are. Everyone's invited. <laughs> It'll be in the past, so if you're a Time Lord, feel free to come back and uh, come round. On Facebook at The Figure Forecast, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash The Figure Forecast. Thank you, and we look forward to recording the next episode for you.